I'm here at a junkyard right now where people have just literally thrown their cars away that they don't want anymore. Cars because they're rusty, they're broken, they're inoperable. But there are some people who see potential in these cars and they actually buy these cars that nobody else wants. They buy them and then they begin what's called the restoration process. And they begin to restore these old rusty buckets into works of beauty that will make heads turn. They totally transform them. Today I want to talk to you about some lives that have been transformed spiritually. And I want you to see the investment that you make every time that you give or serve or pray here at the church, that you're making a difference for eternity in the lives of people. What I love about the church is that church was God's idea. Our theme verse, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I will build my church. It wasn't just our church, it's his church. He died for the church, he gave his life for the church, and he restored the church. He helped us see our true potential. And now he wants to use the church to reach the world. Say this phrase out loud with me, everybody, that the local church is the hope of the world. Everybody together, here we go. The local church is the hope of the world. One more time, nice and loud. The local church is the hope of the world. And then we come to Ephesians 5, where the Bible says that Christ is the head of the church. It's his body, and he's the Savior. Christ is the head, the church is his body. Christ is the head, the church is his body. Okay, listen to me. You can't decapitate Jesus. You can't say, I just want the head. I just want Jesus. But I'm not into church. I'm not into his body. I'm not interested in that at all. Because that's not okay with him. He's, he started the church. He birthed the church. He gave his life for the church. He's the savior of the church. And if it's that important to Jesus, listen, what's important to him ought to be important to us. Matter of fact, Ephesians 3.10 says that it was God's intent that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. He wants to make known everything of who he is through the church. It is his plan to reach the world. Sometimes we go to church for wrong reasons. And you say, well, why do I go to church? Man, I don't know. Maybe I just go for the preaching. I want to hear the word. Preach to me, Sean. But listen, you can hear great preachers alone at home, online, by yourself. Some people might say, I go for the worship. I want to hear worship. I want to sing songs to God. You can also do that alone, at home, by yourself. The only thing you can't do alone is love. I'm here with my good friend Tino, and he has a beautiful car here. Tino, what kind of car is this? It's a 1937 Chrysler Real. And you've had it for a few years now. What have you done to it? I've uh, rebuilt the engine, transmission, carburetor, airbags. And a stereo. And a stereo system. You can't have a car like this without stereo. And let me guess what song you're playing. Low Rider. <laughs> That's right, Pastor. You gotta play that song when you ride a car like this. What's crazy to me is when we think about cars like this that are sitting in a rusty mess in a junkyard somewhere, but somebody sees potential and somebody buys that car, turns it around and turns it into a car that looks like this. It's a total transformation. Every story just seems to get better and better. I can't believe all the stories that we get to hear. This is just like a snapshot of what's going on in the entire church. So God's reaching so many people in the Bay Area because of the Dream Team serving like crazy every Sunday. You are making an eternal impact. This next family is the best. Love this family so much. Love their kids, this couple. They're amazing. They've been serving at the church now for a long time and their story is going to resonate, I believe, with a lot of people. But I think they've served almost everywhere in the church. And everywhere they serve, they're filled with joy, they're faithful, they have a great attitude, and they just love 
people. So I can't wait for you to hear this next story of Martha and Antonio. It's gonna be amazing. All right, so Antonio just got home from work. We're ready to go. Let's do it. Fellowship Church Home Invasion! Hey, Doug! Do you love your church? We love yes, our church. We love our church. You just got home from work out here. I did. So, at almost every house for the I Love My Church series, we have a pet somewhere in the house. This is. Panchito. This is Panchito. He is a bird. Yeah. Would you like to hold him? I would try. What do we do? Does he bite? No. He doesn't bite. All right. Okay. Hey, he's biting! <laughs> he just bit me. You just said he didn't bite. I'm gonna set him free. Come on, Panchito. Fly. Well, sort of. Dear God. <laughs> you can grab him now. He's gonna deflate my muscle. Oh my God! <laughs> Trying to flex on me, Panchito? <laughs> Antonio, Martha, thank you so much for taking some time to sit down with us. Um, it means a lot to us, and I know you just got back from work, and you just got pulled over from the on the freeway. Yeah, but thank did. God you didn't get a ticket. No, I did. <laughs> it was grace. Praise God. <laughs> mercy. But um, all of that joking aside, we love you guys. We love your family. We love your kids. You've been such a huge blessing to the church. And how long have you been coming to the church now? Almost six years now. Six years. Yes. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Take us back before Fellowship Church. Where were you? with your family and life, what was that looking like? We had been um, disconnected from our home church. Antonio was uh, new in the Lord. As the days went by, we just couldn't connect anywhere else. And so for a long time, I don't even know how many years, but it was years, we were church hopping. We could not find a, a home and we had no relationships. It was just us, you know, moving from church to church. Yeah. And it was a very difficult season. We came. Uh, finding ourselves um, in a very lonely place. I felt depressed more uh, spiritually. I was just, I was feeling like I needed to get my faith filled. I was just very empty. If I was feeling it, I was also thinking about my kids as well. Like they were empty. So I just wanted to find a place where I could find family. When I married Antonio, he wasn't saved. And, and my children weren't going to grow up in the Lord. And so for me, it was fear. For him, it was depression. It was just really lonely nights for us. What would you say to the statement that people make sometimes? It's like, all I need is, I just need Jesus. There is no way. There is no way to do um, life in Jesus without a church family. We were dying and we knew, we knew the Lord. I, I, I knew my word. I knew how to pray. And yet I was falling astray. What took so long? to get involved in small groups, even though you heard it every week. I knew he wasn't for small groups. It had came up in our conversations and it just wasn't something he was interested in. Two was commute was always an excuse. The interesting thing is two years into that, we didn't feel connected anymore. We didn't feel like we had people in our lives. We started contemplating leaving the church. This person approached us and said, before you decide, to go anywhere, come to our small group. 
we would love to have you guys. And it felt so genuine to us, um, and we decided we have to try this. And it was the best decision we could ever make. I was like really against small groups at the beginning. I was like, I do not want to go to small groups. Now it's, I'm all about small groups. I go there and somebody, I already know like somebody's gonna say a word that's gonna impact my life. And it just, it just blesses me because I know God is there. That's really special because that wasn't happening when when we weren't in small groups. Yeah. And now I'm leading a men's freedom group. And I will be co-leading a freedom small group That's amazing. this semester. So you, you're coming to church, you like the church, you love Sundays, but you felt disconnected. You're about to leave the church. Someone says, come to my small group. You go and immediately everything changes. Yes. You make relationships, mm -hmm. your kids start to grow, you're flourishing, yes. you're planted in the house of the Lord, and now you turn around and you're serving, And but now you're leading small groups. Yes. What's the difference how you feel now versus how, where you were three to five years ago? The joy, the joy that we get from serving and doing um, and just being a part of something bigger than than us, having great leaders and great pastors and seeing our kids, it, it, I mean, it's, there's just too much, even not even enough to put into words. We are in, in this place now. To me, it was, it's more of growth and I see it in my kids, I see it in, in my wife and, and myself. There's definitely yeah. growth in small groups and, and just coming to fellowship for sure. It's so good to face or encounter somebody that went through something that I went through and then I can speak to him and say hey you know what there's faith there's there's hope what would you say to people who are where you used to be maybe they like the church but they don't feel really connected right now what would you speak into their life right at this point step out and be stretched um, there was a that fear I felt I had to overcome it and walk in through the doors of a small group and had to experience it. I would have never known if I would have not gone. So take the opportunity and join a small group and you will experience because we never know unless, unless we do it. We are the Huertas and we love our church. Let's write this down if you're a note taker. But the church is a place to be planted. It's a place to be planted. Psalm 92 is a great verse. It says this, He who is planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. You know, there's a lot of people that want to be flourishing, but they don't want to be planted. You want to you flourish? You have to be planted in the house of God. It's amazing to me to think about some of the big redwood trees that are just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. I don't know if you've ever been up there. Muir Woods is what it's called. And this is actually where they videotape Planet of the Apes. So these trees are massive. They're so large. And they're so big, but their roots go down deep. But not only do the roots go down deep, they actually interlock into the other root systems of the other trees around them, making them even stronger than if they were just to have their roots go down by themselves. It's an amazing metaphor, a great story, because you look at the winds that blow, you look at the storms that come, man, these trees are immovable. Compare that, though, to the tumbleweed. Like, the tumbleweed is not a redwood tree at all. As a matter of fact, why is the tumbleweed always rolling around in old Western movies? 
so crazy because you have these two guys, and they're lined up, ready for a show-off, the duel, right? And old Dusty, Dusty Road, and then inevitably you have the tumbleweed that just starts rolling down the street. And you hear the whistle, don't you? Let's set the scene, everybody. Here's the whistle. When I point to the side sections, I want you to do the whistle. And then the middle section, you're going to do wow, wow, wow. Are you ready? Here we go. Here we go. We're going to do the side sections first, the whistle. Wait. Middle section. And then when the whistle's done, then you do the wow, wow, wow. Okay, ready? Here we go. Here we go. One, two, three. Middle section. Wow, wow, wow. You sound like a bunch of sick cats. <laughs> but that's what takes place, right? You see the tumbleweeds just rolling down the road. Why? We have to ask ourselves the question, why? I'll tell you why. Because the tumbleweed is really big on top, but it has itty-bitty roots. These roots are not going down deep at all. And the wind blows, and these tumbleweeds just go wherever the wind takes them. You never see, you never see a redwood tree just rolling down the road. Redwoods stay planted, but tumbleweeds blow wherever the wind takes them. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, God does not want you to be a tumbleweed believer. He wants you to be planted in the house of God. He wants your roots to go down deep, but not just deep. He wants your roots to interlock in the lives of other people, where you're doing life with people. That's why small groups are so important, that you're building relationship with other people. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? It's incredible to think that Antonio and Martha were actually in a place where they were coming to church, they liked the church, but they were getting ready to leave the church. They said because they didn't feel connected. Let me say it another way. We all love our phones, we, our cell phones. We keep our cell phones close, don't we? Keep our phones close to us. And Does anybody have a problem with, like, your phone battery dying way too early in the day? It's, so, it's such an epidemic, right? First world problems. And we have this, this issue where the, the battery dies way too fast, probably because your Instagram and your Candy Crush addiction. But, but my, my phone's usually dead by noon. I jumped in a vehicle one time, and my phone was like at 15%. I jump in. It's about an hour drive, and I thought, I really need to charge. And I look down, and I see the adapter that they have to the phone cord, and I'm like, look at God. I plug my phone into the cord. I let it sit. I don't even touch it for an hour. After the hour drive, I look down at my phone. It went from 15% to 10%. And after, I, I was like, how did that happen? Afterwards, after further investigation, I realized something, that the adapter was not totally plugged in. It had the appearance of being connected. But you can be around the source and not be connected to the source. You can be around church and still feel disconnected. Listen, God's plan for your life is not fulfilled just by you coming to church and having a good church attendance. He wants you to be connected. He wants you to belong in the family of God. It's a great verse in Ephesians 2.19. Paul was writing, he says, Now you are no longer strangers to God. You're not foreigners to heaven, but you are now members of God's very own family. Everybody say family. family. And you're citizens of God's country. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. It's time to get planted. It's time to get connected so that you can grow and you can make a difference. Listen, we all want to make a difference, but that doesn't happen unless you grow. And you cannot grow unless you are connected. You say, Sean, how do I get connected to this church? So simple. We make this path extremely clear every Sunday. We want you to join a small group. 
because we're not to do life alone. Small groups are just groups that are small that gather all over the Bay Area, and they're, they're centralized around different interests. So there's Bible study, or there's basketball, and everything just about in between. You join these to build relationship with people, to get connected. Then go through our growth track. That's a series of four classes, four steps, four Sundays. And you can join. It starts the first Sunday of every, every month. But you can join in step one, step two, or step three. Don't worry about doing them all in order. But we want to help discover what makes you unique. We want to set you loose in your passions so that you can do the last one. That's jump on the dream team and make a difference. Because ladies and gentlemen, we are wired for relationship. We are wired to make a difference. Take the one-year challenge. Come to the church faithfully for a year. Apply the principles we give you on a Sunday. Get in a small group. Get on, go through the growth track. Get on a dream team. And I guarantee you, your life will be better because God's word just works. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? I'm telling you, the moment, the moment somebody disconnects from small groups or the dream team serving somewhere, they start to feel it. Because we were wired for relationship and to make a difference. Antonio and Martha said this, everything changed when they got in a small group. They were coming to church, coming to church, doing the church thing. They liked the church. It wasn't that they were anti-church or anti-God. They just felt disconnected. But when they found a small group, they went from being lonely and depressed and straying and empty to now finding purpose and finding family. Martha said this. She said, we would never have known had we not stepped out. Can I encourage you today, squash all the excuses. Let's step out in faith to do life together with other believers in small groups, growth track, and dream teams so that we can make some more stories like this one. Thank you, Darren, for being willing to share your story, man. Uh, we've seen you around church and known you for like the last year and a half, and you're an intern, and you have the biggest heart, always serving, always putting others first, and I'm so excited that people are going to get to know you and your story today. So thanks for being here, man. Um, anybody ever tell you you look like the guy from Moana? Every day. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> I get that all the time. That's awesome. We just need you for at the movies to be walking around. <laughs> well, I want you to do me a favor and take us back to um, before Fellowship Church, before you gave your life to Christ. Talk to us about your history, what happened um, where were you? I was born and raised in San Francisco, in the less fortunate neighborhoods, um, until my mother was able to move us out into a more safer and, and better city to grow in. I was six years old when my, when my dad left. I've always felt that uh, because my dad wasn't there, that that was my responsibility to take care of my brothers. Started playing football, and that's where everything changed. The lifestyle of growing up in the streets and wanting to be there in the streets. Football took that all away. And I tried to master it as much as I could every day. And um, the season went on. I broke my wrist and my dominant hand. I felt like I was in a dark place. But a snap of one bone can really change your, your game, your life. But during football, I lost my support that I expected to have. I didn't see purpose in my life because the thing that I had cherished the most to live for was gone. And, and people that I expected to be there for me were not there anymore. They gave up on me in the middle of my process without even seeing, seeing me through. I felt like I needed to give up already. You know, people weren't there for me, so my family was gone. I wanted to commit suicide. You know, I had, growing up from the streets, I had, I had my own gun. 
I remember I was sitting in my room. And I was ready to take my life. I felt like if I was gone, that you know, people would even people would even care. It would it would be just like them giving up on me before. So why even be alive? What's my purpose now? That we were all grown up already. You know, my brothers didn't need me anymore. You know, we're adults now. I felt hopeless. I, I felt like I didn't, like I wasn't wanted. I felt like nobody needed me to be there. I didn't do it. You know, I dropped my gun and I just, and I wept and I cried all night. I didn't sleep for days after I felt that I couldn't get any lower in life. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong, making the wrong decisions. And uh, last year, I went to jail for the first time. And that's when I started looking up. And that's when I just gave up playing tug of war with God. There was a friend of mine. She took me to a service um, at the community center. And it was great, you know. The vibe, the, the people, that first step in the building was straight love. And I just I just kept putting that to the side. I went to jail, I got released, and that's when Fellowship had moved into their new building. The next week, right after I, I got out of jail, um, I went to the next service. It was overwhelming, you know, it was like, it was just dragging me in. And so, you know, I'm, I'm st standing there during praise and worship, I started crying while everybody's singing around me. The reason why I started crying is because I could feel myself being fulfilled with the Spirit. And for the first time ever, I felt the love of God really wrapping around me and fulfilling me with the things that I needed in my life. There was a lot of baggage falling off of me from my past. Uh, I'm sitting there and my eyes are closed. And once you, once you started counting, I was ready. Like everything was just, I was about to break chains. I was about to, to give up who who I, I used to be. And when you said three, like it was it was like a surrender. It's an amazing story. You share with us where you were, what happened when you came to Christ. What's changed? Where where where's Darren today versus where he used to be? So during my walk, I rededicated my life to Christ, got baptized, I became a missionary. Uh, I've gone through small groups. I'm becoming a small group leader for a freedom group, and I'm an intern now. And it's a beautiful thing to have a surrounding, loving environment full of people who, who are genuine. What does this church mean to you? And where would you be without the church? Fellowship is my safe place. It means everything to me. Now that I'm rooted into the Word, I knew that Christ was always on my shoulder telling me not to pull the trigger. It's been a blessing to me and will continue to be a blessing to me and others that are yet to walk into the doors. My name is Darren Tufono and I love my church. Write this down everybody, that the church is a place to come alive. It's a place for you to come alive. Luke chapter 15 is a great story that Jesus is telling. It's probably one of the coolest chapters in the entire New Testament. And it starts off by saying, Jesus continued to teach. He said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to the father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance 
right now. My, I want my, my share of the estate right now. Which, by the way, in this culture would have been a huge insult to the dad. It would be like the son coming and just slapping the dad in the face and saying, I wish you were dead. So here he is. I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait till you die. I, want, I wish you were dead right now so I can get what's coming to me. Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. There he squandered his wealth in wild living. Goes on, verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, which, by the way, whenever you go outside of God's covering and his will, there will always be a famine of some sort. And he began to be in need. He was in need the entire time. He's just now seeing it. It's funny how sometimes we have to... We have to get to a place where we hit rock bottom before we see our need for God, even though we needed him all along. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs, which again, in this culture, would have been the lowest of the lowest job. Like, Jewish people wouldn't have anything to do with pigs. They were unclean. And yet he has resorted to coming to this low and saying, I'll do anything, even touch what is unclean. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with what the pods, the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Imagine being that desperate, where you're looking at what the pigs are eating and saying, boy, that sure looks good. So desperate was he that verse 17, when he came to his senses, which by the way, it's a great moment when we come to our senses. We begin to realize where we are and our need for God. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I know what I'll do. Verse 18, I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. That was his plan. So he got back up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son threw his arms around him, kissed him, and said, the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven, against you. He started trying to rehearse his speech, and the father's like, I don't like where this is going. Let me stop you right here and right now. Didn't even let him finish his four, you know, three-by-five card speech and said, listen, in the middle of all this, quick to his servants, verse 22, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring out the fatted calf because we're having filet mignon tonight. Watch this next part. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. So they began to celebrate. Amazing story. How somebody, somebody can turn their heart away from God the Father. That's the analogy in this. That we all have gone astray. We've all gone our own way. And we turn around and we realize, God, I'm empty. I'm broken. There's nothing that I have that can be of any spiritual value. And we come home. Sometimes we come home with our tail between our legs and our head down and think, man, I'm nothing. I'm I'm of no value. I don't think I could do this. That was Darren. Darren felt so empty, so broken. He said, I'm in a dark place. He lost everything, his friends, his family. He felt hopeless. He hit rock bottom to the point where he was ready to take his own life. And then somebody invited him to church. Oh, don't ever underestimate the power of an invitation. You never know who's one invitation away. It's amazing to think about 
Like when we invite somebody to church, sometimes we're like, I'm not sure. What if they say no? Then they say no. But what if it's a Darren? What if it's somebody that des- desperately needs to know about the love of God? Never, you never know who's one invitation away. That invitation changed everything in Darren's life. And because of that one invite, Darren came to church and he found God's love, God's grace, God's forgiveness. Darren said this, he felt like the baggage just fell off of him as he surrendered the controls of his life to Jesus Christ. Why? Because John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. I bring dead things back to life. Maybe you can relate today. Maybe like you're smiling on the outside, but on the inside you feel like you are dying. Can I just recommend, take some advice from Darren today. Surrender the controls of your life to him because God will bring you back to life. Write this down in your notes, everybody, that that the church is a place of hope and healing. You see there's two big words on the wall when you first walk in. It's two words that God gave us a long time ago. And even as you're writing them down in your notes, I pray that you'd let God write them down over your heart today. That literally, there is hope for your tomorrow. There is, there's, there's meaning, there's purpose, there's significance, there's life. But there's also healing from your yesterday. There's, there's forgiveness, there's a fresh start, there's a clean slate. God is a God of hope. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 puts it this way. May the God of hope, so He's hope. But he wants to pour into you. He wants to fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may now overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. God is extravagant, but he's never wasteful. Why would God want you to overflow? Does he just want the hope and peace and joy to overflow into the street, the dirt, the sewer? No. Whatever God's done in your life, he wants that to overflow into other people's lives. Like, Darren would not be here had all of you not been giving and praying and serving on the dream team the day he showed up. What happened that day? You just overflowed. You overflowed into his life. And he said, I've never seen a church like this before in my life. I've never seen people that love me just the way I am in my life. And he was totally changed by the love of God. He was a prodigal son coming home. In that story in Luke 15, Jesus tells a story about a lost son. But really? Really what Jesus is trying to communicate is he's that type of father. He's a forgiving father, ready to restore and renew. And I want to encourage you, take take it from Darren. Surrender the controls of your life to God so he can bring you back to life and he can make all things new. Write this last statement down. As we think about all these stories we hear every week, let's go make some more stories together. Think about All the lives that have yet to been touched with the love of God. Think about all the stories that have yet to be written. Think about all the lives that have yet to be restored. I love our church because this church loves people. We love Jesus and we love people. And we want people to know God and find freedom and discover purpose and make a difference. Let's make a fresh commitment to the capital C church, the worldwide church, so that we can make more stories together and impact people's lives for eternity with the love of Almighty God. That's it.